Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Chris. Uh, Chris is a is a dad and a lover of the Souls games. Um, after initially bouncing off of the one, he has come back with a vengeance and played all of them all of the way through. Uh, we discuss Souls via uh, parenting, which is always a fun subject to get into. We solve the question of whether video games are art, and we just have a delightful conversation all the way through. So, without further ado please enjoy so my my dark souls experience i think is pretty unique in that i had no idea who from soft was until probably dark souls 3 even though i played um, as they came out, Dark Souls 1 and 2, I just, it, it was at a time in my life where I just had my second child and my ability to play games basically turned into what I could do late at night. And so it was in small little bits and spells that I was able to, to you know, devote time to it. And prior to, to having kids, I would play, you know, probably several hours more per day. I'd play Call of Duty, Gears of War, those kinds of things um, with friends that I'd make online. And so after children and after a family grew, um, the games that I would get usually came off of recommendations or I think I had a GameStop membership where they sent you a magazine every month and it would give you kind of you know, top rated games that are coming out or have come out. And so I'd spend a lot of time when, you know, when I knew I'd have some free time with work schedule and other schedules, you know, finding that next good game for me to play. And I remember one day going into GameStop and I think I had just come off of playing maybe Oblivion or or one of those type of open world RPGs. And I saw Dark Souls and I had no idea what it was. I, I had never heard of it. I hadn't seen it in a magazine and it was fifty nine ninety nine, which is how I knew. Oh, this is new. That was my way to to know new <laughs> games because I didn't actually keep up with release schedules or anything. And I asked the guy. I said, "Hey, what's this about?" And he said, "Oh, just get it." I was like, "Okay, that's all it took." Um, <laughs> so I think I waited for like a buy two get one free deal and picked up a copy of it and took it home and I had it on three sixty. And I didn't look up anything about it. I just went into it thinking, oh, it's an RPG. I've played a million of those. This will be no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I w- but I think that part of that's my own stupidity. Walking into that asylum demon fight the first time and then feeling, because the only thing I knew about it was it was supposed to be hard, that I actually had to beat that stupid thing and never even looking for a door and dying 50 plus times and going, wow, this really is the hardest game. My, my hands do nothing. Um, finally I I cheated a little bit and went online and said, what, what am I doing wrong? And you know, obviously the first thing to pop up when you do a Google search is there's a door idiot. Um, so I was able to get past that part and kind of get into the groove. Uh, combat took a while to get used to for sure. Uh, but once, once that, started to feel more natural i was like you know I, I can see some some benefit to this game this is a lot of fun um then i got to the bridge uh, i can't remember what the what the demon's name is that that jumps down um but that was my first moment where you got that kind of dark souls euphoria which was i knew i could beat him 
I had done it 20, 30 times and was within a sliver of, of, you know, winning the fight. And then that first time of doing it, I was like, oh, yes, this is so this is so good. This is awesome. Um, But then, as fate would have it, and my my ignorance with video games came into play and I got to Blighttown. And on my 360, it slowed down so much that I thought my game was broken. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> this wasn't helped by the fact that I had gone through like five 360s um, that were red ringed or otherwise damaged. And I had to get, keep getting them replaced. Microsoft would send a free one, but usually it would break two weeks later. So I just assumed mine broke and I put the game up like I, I was done with it. And uh, so that was 2011. Correct me if I'm wrong. So 2011, 2012, my daughter had just turned to obviously busy time in, in life, I, I, I really didn't think about the game again um, until I was in a store and I was hearing an interview about Dark Souls 2 coming out and the people saying, oh, this is the one game we're looking forward to. This is the gamer's game. You know, this is <laughs> this is what everyone cares about this year. And I was like, oh, I remember that first game. Yeah, it broke on me. And so I decided, you know, if I find it on sale on a PS3, because I had a PS3, I'll get it. Maybe it will, you know, run better. And, you know, by, by the time Dark Souls 2 came out, you could find a copy of it for 15, 20 bucks occasionally. And so I got it on PS3 and went through it and, and beat it. And it was awesome. <laughs> you didn't have any problems with Blight Town this time? No, no. I mean, it, it was a little slow, mm-hmm. but, but not. You know, not not what I experienced on the 360. And it's funny because after I beat it on the PS3, I went back and played the 360 co- copy and it didn't seem as bad. But it was still <laughs> noticeably slower. <laughs> and the truth is, I probably just got hit by one of those poison darts and said, you know what? Screw yeah, right. it. I'm going to blame this on how slow this is. Yeah, and that's yeah, why yeah. I don't want to play it. It's not my fault that the game is broken. I can just put it down and feel and feel good about myself. The, the lies exactly. we tell ourselves. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Did you that need help? Your next podcast, The Lies of Dark Souls. The, yeah, exactly. You've got the haters, <laughs> you've got the stories, and now you just need the lies you tell yourself. Um, and, and I think, honestly, the my biggest pleasure out of Dark Souls is a lie I tell myself, which is that it's a funny game. I don't know that that's, it's a, that's a lie, though. It's a, but it, it, like Dark Souls has a really weird sense of humor, but it's definitely like made me laugh out loud a couple of times. Oh, I, I anytime I play it, if I'm not laughing, I'm done. It, it, I, I find humor, and I think the issue is, the, the reason I call it a lie is, I think that I find humor in areas you shouldn't find humor. Like, my favorite thing about Dark Souls now, whether it be 1, 2, 3, Bloodborne, what have you, is cooperative play with people you don't know. And I refuse to play, even if it's my brother that I play with, I re- refuse to play co-op with a headset. Um, because I think the most fun in the game is how you interpret the, the the tools given to you and use them to communicate with somebody that you don't know. And it leads to the greatest situations that, you know, bleed over into my real life. I know uh, my brother who moved to Michigan um, a few years back, he came to visit and we went out to play tennis. I'm a huge fan of tennis. And it was great because going into the first point, I was ready to serve and he was ready to return the ball. And he ceremoniously raved his, raised his racket in both hands over his head and started jiggling it back and forth as <laughs> though you were hitting the left bumper mm-hmm. repeatedly. And immediately I was like, oh, he's Dark Soulsing. This is perfect. <laughs> so those are my favorite things. 
is 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 the humor that comes out of it when you join into someone else's world you see them buff their weapons and then all of a sudden they start waggling their sword and that that you just know <laughs> oh that means it's time to go here we go there's a whole gesture that says go that way but no nah, the sword waggles just fine i uh the 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 thing that made me uh, buy a <clears throat> I don't remember what kind it was now but to buy a something I could record 360 gameplay with um, was spawning into uh, Ulysil and uh, there being like four or five dudes running around like we're all different like reds and blues and like everybody has a shield in their front hand like double double <laughs> handing the shield and just bouncing them up and down. And it was just a weird shield battle for like 15 minutes. And I was like, I've got to be able to record this. Like, this is too good. <laughs> this is the thing that I, I, I want the most. And yeah, sure enough. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the multiplayer That's- stuff is, is in dark souls one, especially it was, it was so wacky and weird. And like, it seemed like it inspired uh, so much online stuff. Like, I feel like not only me, but I feel like a lot of people started playing Dark Souls and were like, oh, I can make videos of this. Like, I want to do this. Oh, yeah. And they're all entertaining. Like, now I go back and I watch all the stuff because honestly, I didn't even know how multiplayer worked when I played Dark Souls 1. I didn't get it. I saw the summon signs on the ground and I didn't know if they were in game characters, I didn't know if they were other people. And I think going through that first area, like the Gargoyle battle so much where that Solaire summon is there and seeing it was the same one, for a while I just assumed every one of those summons was a computer-generated player. I didn't ever, you know, take the time to read and be like, what what is going on with this? All I knew is if I saw one of those signs, I was getting it because I sucked at the time and I needed all the help that I could get. Um, But I don't think it was until Dark Souls 2 that I really understood the system and, and messed around with PVP and, and, you know, the sunlight covenant and things like that, where, where you saw the added benefit of really taking advantage of the multiplayer system, whether it be, it gets you that extra spell or, you know, it's, it's just a unique way to meet new people and have fun. But I mean, it, for me, and as much, you know, crap as Dark Souls 3 gets talked about it. I, I thought that that one handled multiplayer the best, not from a PvP aspect. I think Dark Souls 2 PvP is a lot of fun. Uh, but just the the whole system, the, the, the community was bigger at that time, so you always had a chance of finding somebody playing. Uh, there were all the different systems, like with the Mad Cult and the, the Sunlight Covenant being back. It, it worked in a really unique way that I think they just finally got the whole system right. Um, and it led to my single favorite Dark Souls moment. And I think I emailed you this once. So sorry if you have heard this before, but it's so good. Um, I, I play multiple characters in each of the games. And usually I'll name them after my kids or pets or something like that. And so I had one character that I was running whose name was Noah, which is my son's name. And then I decided to start a new character and name it Noah's sister, Ella. But I think it, the character limit had it uh, limit to Noah's sis, Ella. Okay. And, and so I was just farming souls by going to the Wolnir fight and laying down a, a, a Sunlight Covenant summon sign. And I was trying to get, I think, 30 medals as well as just build up souls. And so my character's name was displayed as Noah Ella, and I, I get summoned into a world. And <laughs> this poor guy, this was so good. And I, I want to know what was going through his head. So if you're listening, hey, send me an email. He summons me. He already had one other summon in his world. <laughs> and the other summon was Noah. 
And so he had already <laughs> summoned somebody named Noah, and then he summoned some random person that was Noah Sis Ella. And it was great because, like, all three of us just stood there for a second, <laughs> digested the chaos that had just happened, and then dance party. It was just nuts, just running around in circle. It was like we all realized what are the flipping odds that this just happened. And then I think we ran into Walner and the boss ran right into his breath and died immediately. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. Not Noah. Do your, uh, no. do your kids like uh, interact with Dark Souls while you're playing it, or is it strictly just uh, daddy's alone time? <laughs> um, not in a way you'd think. So I, I, my son has so, shown some interest in trying to play, and he'll start a character and run into the first wall, and he's like, nope. You know, he, he's not one to, to keep butting his head against something. Um, but what is funny is they could still tell you the name of every boss every area. <laughs> because I think they get this sense of, oh, Dad's playing Dark Souls. Oh, you're at that one boss. Yeah, don't forget to use that spell. It worked really well last time, you said. And so, <laughs> so like, they absorb it through through seeing me play it. I, I don't play it hardly any right now, but I, I would wager if I turned it on, they would say, oh, Dark Souls 3. Like, they, they would know which is which. And, <laughs> which is hysterical to me, but... Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of parents um, about even letting their kids watch the games, uh, just from a like a violent standpoint and things like that. And it's always interesting to get the feedback of, yeah, you know, they I'll, I'll let my kid watch it and we have no problems. Or you know, I think it's too violent for my child to to watch, even though it's very cartoony and it's not necessarily gory, and you can turn off the blood. So I was just kind of curious because it's always interesting to get that perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I don't like censorship at all. Um, we, I mean, we don't we don't do horrible things around our children, obviously, but we're pretty open to what they're seeing as long as it meets a set, certain number of requirements. One, if it's violence just for the sake of violence, that's horrible. That's not art, you know. I, and I definitely don't want to go down this whole video games as art <laughs> string. No, no, I think um, this is the perfect time. Let's 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 us two decide. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll as soon as we finish the conversation, I'll write Waypoint and told them that we figured it out. Yes, they can, we they figured can stop it the, out. They can stop the think pieces, and then we'll be done. So, well, so so my argument would be, you know, games like your Dark Souls are are a good example of why video games are art, and that it does include these controversial topics, whether it be violence, not so much language in these games, um, but adult you know, subject matter that's kind of dark, even if I find it funny. Um, but it's done for a reason. It evokes some type of emotion. It evokes a feeling of either joy or frustration or whatever you're experiencing as you play those parts. Um, and for that reason, like if my son, even when he was seven, said, hey, Dad, I want to play Dark Souls, I'd be like, oh, you're in for a treat. Go for it. You know? <laughs> um, and now as much as I like games like gta that i think can be a lot of fun if he said hey dad my seven-year-old self wants to play grand theft auto i'd be like you know what no um (laughs) for two reasons one is you can kind of take the authorship of that experience into your own hands um and two because it's too lifelike it's it's a man killing another man or a woman or a woman killing another man or a woman and there's no merit there if you're doing it for whatever reasons you want to do it when it's too much of an open world. Dark Souls, Dark Souls presents constraints, and it basically says, here's your story. Yes, we're going to give you some freedom with how you interact, but 
you're within these confines and it's still going to get the emotion across that we are, are going for with our story. And so, you know, that's, there are two big differences in my opinion. And as far as my kids go, I trust that they're smart enough and I, I trust that we have enough understanding what they're going through to know whether or not they could go through a, a certain game or, or go through a certain movie or whatnot. And, and dark souls for me is one that I would never have a problem with my kids playing. That's not to say, Oh yes, everyone's child should play dark souls. <laughs> no, <but. laughs> I mean, I think it should be in the second grade curriculum. If you asked me, that's what my opinion would be. No, no, no. Only Bloodboard. only, only Bloodboard. Bloodboard. And <laughs> because you can point back to, to early 1900s literature, literature elements and somehow tie it into a mainstay curriculum. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and sex education because bloodborne is just all about all a bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> are above a bunch I really, of kids. I, I was really hoping that you were just about to go, Oh, and sex education because bloodborne's sexy. <laughs> also, also true. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't come out next week. It hasn't come out yet but next week is the follow-up to episode 69 episode 169 and uh oh god it's it's just a bunch of uh former guests of the show talking about how hot monsters are and i was really excited to be to do that so uh that's that's probably like eight weeks ago in the past by the time this podcast comes out i um that that line between like uh real and fantasy and like how the violence plays out in it, it reminds me of uh, my grandmother when I was a kid, like I was real, real big into video games, obviously, and comic books, and I was reading all this stuff and playing all these games. And she's like, she she had like a very serious talk with me one time, and she's like, Jeremy, I just want to make sure that you know you understand that that's fantasy and that this is reality. And I'm like, yeah, I got that. <laughs> I'm all good. <laughs> but I was also like, like they let me watch anything. Like I was watching horror movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching at you know eight nine years old. Oh uh, yeah, and you know that's where one of the big mess ups I think I've had as a parent. Although I think it's funny now to talk about it, is my son is terrified of horror films. Like I love horror movies; they're my favorite, um, and I I've watched them and they've been around. And it's funny because even if I watch a movie that's not intentionally scary, he's the one that has his eyes like shielded by his hand if the music ramps up, even mm-hmm. if it's an Adam Sandler comedy. Um, but my daughter loves horror films. And I'm embarrassed to say this because I'm probably a horrible parent, but like when it came out, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. And when it came out, they both were like, we really want to watch this. And I was like, all right, (laughs) fine, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, my son uh, sat with his eyes closed the whole time. My daughter's like, yes, yes, more. This is awesome. Where's that clown? Um, so it's it's pretty funny to see how two people of the same family react differently to that. <laughs> That's really funny to me. Um, I, I want to rewind a little bit. Uh, do you I always like to talk about the spaces in between these games coming out? So sure, you went back and talked um, and picked up Dark Souls One because you heard people talking about Dark Souls Two. When you finished yeah. Dark Souls One, was Dark Souls Two already out, or were you like following the release of the game and trying to get it day one? What, what was that? No, it wasn't like? out when I went back into Dark Souls One. Now it may have been out. I've slept and drank since then. It may have come out by the time I finished Dark Souls One, but I vividly remember picking up Dark Souls One because I heard so many critics saying, "I can't wait for this game to come out." And so my goal was really to, you know, prepare myself for its release and kind of be on the front end of it and experience it, you know, with everybody else, even though I still didn't understand the whole community aspect of it. Um, So I think I probably got Dark Souls 
if not on day one, right around that time when it came out. I don't think I went back and did New Game Plus on Dark Souls 1. I beat it, and I was like, I'm done with this. It's <laughs> I have owned this game now. It's mine. <laughs> That's my victory, and I'm not going to ever go back to it was my initial thought. Um, and then I started Dark Souls 2, and I found Dark Souls 2 ridiculously hard. Um I don't know if it was the limiting on your health when you died, but I really struggled. And I think it was then that I decided I need help. Not from like an addiction standpoint, but from a, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to go online (laughs) and find out some tips. (laughs) Um, But I I think really before I did that, I had a friend that I was working with at the time that was a huge FromSoft fan. And he knew way more about the games than I did. And he said, oh, you, there's this ring on this bridge. you got to just do that. Like, he would try and give me these little tidbits instead of having me, you know, search the entire path from one world to the next. And that helped for a while. And then as it progressed and it got tougher and tougher, I just I totally cheated through Dark Souls 2. Not, not <laughs> having somebody hold the controller for me, but me holding the mouse in one hand and looking up what to do with the controller in the other. <laughs> I don't know that that's um, necessarily cheating nowadays. Like, I feel like that's especially it's, it's especially if you're yourself. dead. Um, like, I cheated myself. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Like, if you if 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 you're concerned about preserving that first experience, but man, like, <clears throat> I'm sure as a dad you feel this. Uh, just not having enough time for video games. Like, I'm not at a place where I can play video games for 14 hours in a day. <laughs> like, that's just not ever oh, going to yeah. happen. So, if no, I can fast I mean, track my way through, like, I'm more than likely going to do that. Right. And it, at that time, back in like 2011, 2012, I was a big achievement snob. Like I had this completionist idea of I'm only going to buy a new game if I 100% every other game I have. That never worked out. <laughs> that never, <laughs> uh, ever works out, period. It never works out. Um, but I did have this sense of I really want to go through this the quickest way possible to get all these achievements. And with Dark Souls, that, that was a big roadblock for me because I realized I'm going to have to go through this lots of times. Um, and so I think that was one of the first games that made me realize, stop caring so much about this. It's stupid. Just have fun. Um, and I still like the achievement system. I think it's a really good way for people to understand when they've really exhausted all the content there is that a game can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they have them hidden. Uh, that's my favorite thing is those hidden achievements is you don't know how to get there unless you cheat and look it up, but you know that there's more that this game can offer you. And so, whereas you may have been done without that small, not small tidbit of knowledge, it may push you to continue on and, and keep exploring, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, dark, <laughs> dark souls too. I, I went into it with a completely different mindset, which is, I just need to get through this, um, because it was so hard for me. And, you know, like you said, being a dad, my time to play games was from like nine thirty PM to ten thirty PM <laughs> to nine thirty five PM. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm c- um, curious. It, you mentioned the, uh, achievement grinding. Um, I'm, I'm very, like I've had that mindset. Like I always try to go for the the full achievements or to get the platinum on games or whatever. But uh, I, most of the time, I I get like three quarters of the way through, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to bother with this. But with the Dark Souls game, right. I, I always like force myself to do it. Um, and like so, I spent a good like four hours grinding Silver Knights and Orlando and Dark Souls three <laughs> so that I could get the stupid whatever because I never got summoned. Um, while I was listening to some podcast or the other, but like, do you go through that process of it? Cause when I, when I found myself doing that, uh, especially with Dark Souls three, I was like, 
why am I bothering to do yeah. this to get like a spell that I will never use? Like it doesn't even match the character. Like this is this the most pointless thing ever. Um, do you ever do? You, did you do you still do that now? And yeah. spilling the answer to this question is gonna is gonna tell a lot about me, which is I like to start things and not finish them. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I probably have played the first five hours of any of those games for a total of five hundred hours, whereas I've played the end game. Maybe a few times. I've beaten all the games. I've beaten all the games multiple times. But of the 100 characters I started, probably three make it to the end. And that's because I usually go into it with a sense of, okay, this is going to be that run where I get all the miracles. But you know what? This is going to be that run where I do everything. That's usually how each one of my runs start. And I will really grind and do my best. But usually if I have a week in between when I can play a game... Or if I run into a brick wall, like I know the last time I played Dark Souls 1, I was like, I'm just going to get the Baldur side sword right from the beginning. And I did that for about 10 hours. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, never mind, never mind. Um, but that, that that's my favorite part about those games is, is that idea of whether you hear a podcast, like if I'm listening to your podcast in the morning, it'll make me go, ooh, I really want to try this game with this build. Like that anticipation of doing something new, starting again with something that is so familiar is so enticing to me. But as a parent and as someone who's too darn busy, it's really hard to carry that excitement through all the way to the end. Sure, because it's real... For me, that's how like PvP builds would would start. Like I'd be like, I'm going to make a character that does this gimmick in PvP and then go through like the trouble of doing it and then be like, but I'm not actually going to invade anybody with it because i'm too lazy to do that part of it like it was yeah because you start out (laughs) with like this this grand idea and then like the the novelty wears off and you're like "Eh, whatever i don't care that much um let's talk about bloodborne a little bit uh you you mentioned it you mentioned it earlier and uh actually i mean i guess like since we're on stolen dark souls like give me your your kind of over under like how did you feel that that trilogy like proceeded as as it did did you continually like each game better and better did you have issues with Um, one of them how how did that work believe it or not and i i don't i'll I'll be honest with you i don't get too much into the lore side of it and i know that's where a lot of the complaints with three came i think all three are great like i i don't i see the distinct differences especially in the way they feel when you're playing them um how the controls work and how some of the mechanics work but my thought is just give me more Dark Souls. If you want to give me Dark Souls 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, I will buy each one as long as you don't you know, completely overhaul the system and you keep creating these unique worlds that kind of invite you in. Uh, I, I have the same feeling about all of them, and it's because there are certain aspects of it that are just inherently joyful for me. Now that I know how co-op and PvP work, it's, it's so much fun. I, I can create a character that will do what I wanted to do in those situations. And I could do that for hours on end if I had the time. Um, I love my initial playthrough. Three was the first one where I basically made myself not cheat, (laughs) not spoil anything for me. And I took that day off work in advance and played through it. And well, not all in one day, but, but played through that game and just loved it just as much as I would any dark souls game that comes out. And just like how I did with bloodborne, just, it, it, it's enjoyable to me. I, I re- rarely have those kind of 
complaints that oh well this this ring really shouldn't have been here it would have been more appropriate placed appropriately placed by this statue i don't care <laughs> it still does really <laughs> cool things and that might be something i want to use <laughs> so put it wherever you want just let me be able to find it at some point do your uh do your work friends play video games so i work at a college oh, okay. um, so, so yeah. <laughs> more than likely yeah because I'd, what, I've done that too, like for the last <clears throat> four or five, however many releases of Dark Souls, like I think for two, three, Bloodborne, um, I feel like maybe a DLC in there, like I would always just take the day off work and, uh, you know, sometimes that would line up with like a, like a Tuesday or a Friday or whatever the dates were, like and my, my my work friends would be like, so what are you doing, man? Are you going you to go out to the lake? You're going to go, you're going to do this? And I'm like, no, not. no, it's kind of a big day for yeah. me. Uh. It's my birthday, and there's uh, like I'm meeting my UPS guy early to get Dark Souls two, and like uh, so I was just curious if like people looked at you and were like, wait, well, this is a weird thing to do because I, I'm very my guilty boss, of that. My boss really thinks it's hysterical. Um, I'm very fortunate to have an awesome relationship with my boss, and he thinks most of the things I do are stupid. And it's very humorous to me to then once I know he doesn't agree with them or doesn't care for them, I basically bombard him with information on it. So I think really leading up to the release of Dark Souls 3, I was going in there at least for one hour a day just to talk about Dark Souls, even though he was like, shut up, get out of my office, shut up, shut up, shut up. It was it was fantastic. He was like, I don't understand why you play a game where you die and you lose stuff. It's like you don't understand life, man. Let me educate you. You see, basically, you start with a character that. <laughs> oh man, the anguish on his face. So good. Please do not talk to me about the Dark Souls anymore. Please do not talk to me about the Dark Souls. Oh man, he 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 basically he learned to tune me out pretty quick. But yeah, I, I remember taking off the the time for Dark Souls three and and really going through that and enjoying every second of it that like i said you know i feel like i really did cheat myself on two especially and it wasn't until i went through three blind and had those true moments of discovery and and surprise that i realized yeah i wish i had done this the right way on all of these (laughs) it's fun like uh my friend patty talks about getting um i want to say it was bloodborne early uh, like before it came out and him playing through it and just like there was nobody talking about it so, like there was there's no anything out there there's no wiki that exists or anything like you just have to figure this shit out for yourself and i find that fascinating yeah she had she got uh bloodborne blood in utero nice <laughs> so did you buy a ps4 for bloodborne like a lot of people did or were you already kind of <laughs> planning on upgrading i i did not buy one i uh was gifted one believe it or not by one of my brothers so my brother graduated from the school that i work at and several of his friends were huge souls fans and they knew that i liked the games and we talk about it every so often and one of them uh, before they left actually got me a playstation 4 and i was like please don't this feels (laughs) awkward um they were like no no it's cool my my parents own a shop that that has a million of these and they just gave me one. So I figured you could get some use out of it. I was like, okay, yep, I will. Thanks. Uh, didn't even go straight home, went straight to a place where I could get a used copy of Bloodborne and street fighter five, which were the two things that I wanted a PlayStation (laughs) four for, um, and put in Bloodborne and was like, Oh hell no. Like that, that was a huge curve for me. It was so hard. 
That was uh, I, in between Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3. Like, had you played Dark Souls 3 at that point? No, I had already played 3. Okay. I had, this was after 3 for me. Uh, it it threw me for a loop, man. Bloodborne was really tricky for me. And there are still things in Bloodborne I have not beat. Like what? And the sad part, uh, where, where you and I played that DLC is currently where my character still is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had uh, I had forgotten about that until you mentioned it um, in the green room, as it was uh, that you and I a while back, uh, probably via duck feed, like jumped on the mic together. It was good to, I'll try to take you through the DLC. Oh, yeah, I can't uh, I can't remember. I think we were in the Slack or something, and yeah. I was like, "Will somebody please help me?" <laughs> and you were like, "I'll help you." And I was like, "You don't understand. You're going to need to do all the work here." <laughs> But I, what's funny, though, is so that's where, you know, I beat the main game and I, I I think I ended up running through that area and dashing somehow to the boss of that area, but not beating it. Uh, but I it doesn't mean I haven't played Bloodborne since then. It said I hadn't gone back to that character. I start characters way more than I finish them, like I said earlier. So I think the last time I did Bloodborne, I went with a character that was just going to be strictly arcane just to mess with that system because I hadn't really done it. So I have a character that is not too terribly far into the game, but he already has 52 arcane and no other stats have been raised. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, <laughs> the only thing it's really benefiting me at this point with is the Tonitrus because I don't have <laughs> many of the spells, but, but it was neat to kind of explore, you know, the, the familiar part of the game that, that I've played so many times from a different viewpoint that that's that's always been my favorite thing is taking the familiar and making it unfamiliar again in as many ways as possible yeah it's um i wish i wish bloodborne bloodborne's build variety was just just like a little bit more like i wish there were because i've done arcane and i've done blood tinge and i've done strength and i've done skill which means that i have done all of the builds <laughs> like unless right. you start getting into weird hybrids which i've also done some of those um there's just not like a and, and because the way that our the way that arcane works, it doesn't necessarily feel different because you're not casting spells. Like mechanically, you're pretty right. much doing the same thing. You're just putting gems in a weapon to do fire damage instead of, you know, just straight up like just physical damage. So uh, I wish it was a little bit more to that. And like, if there is ever a follow up to Bloodborne, um, I, I, that's like that's the kind of stuff that I would want them to do. Like give me more like mechanical verbs to do, even though like the right. sets on all of the weapons are way above and beyond just about any game out there. So, right. And I think that's probably why that one's gotten the least replay from me. I think it's a brilliant game and I, I love the atmosphere more than any of the souls games. I love the story. Um, but my, again, my favorite part is, is getting this idea of what I want to do and then, <laughs> building a character and trying to do it and you are really limited in your verb set with bloodborne in that regard so my my brother and i were just talking about wanting to play that again so i'm sure that it'll come down the road here within the next month that he and i create characters and start over again but i wouldn't be surprised if i don't stick to my pattern of going oh i really want to do this because i haven't done blood tinge so maybe i'll do blood tinge but then i'll probably be off at a conference or have too much work and give it away for or kind of stay off of it for a few weeks and then for me if i 
put a lot of energy on the front end for a game and then I take a big break, it's hard for me to remember right where I left off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's hard for me to want to just pick back up there. It seems way more interesting at that point just to go, huh, let me start another new character, <laughs> which is just awful. It's it's a horrible cycle and I probably need help. Hey, man, you can remote play your PS4 <laughs> on, on your iPhone nowadays. Like, just beef up your internet. Are you serious? And, yeah, they've released oh, a... Oh, God. A, you, and someone... Um, I retweeted this, but, like, someone took a screenshot of Bloodborne, literally, like, with all of the controls on the screen, like an iOS game, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> trying, my God. Like, trying to... Can you imagine trying to control that? Um, That's horrible. No, I... For me... My my son has a Nintendo Switch, and the perfect game for dads here's here's a plug Binding of Isaac um, is Binding of Isaac because games like that you can play for twenty minutes and you don't have to remember what the last thing was that you did, and so that's become like my my game of choice just because it's portable and I don't have to really invest too much time in it. I've been I've been I playing I, quite a bit of Isaac lately because uh, obviously my buddy Gary does everything to Guppy. Um, the, which is which, the Isaac podcast, which is hilarious. That, that's a, such a guilty pleasure to listen to. Oh my God, <laughs> it's it's such a it's so, it's such so a weird and, and so great good. show. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so fun. <laughs> um, but it, you know, listening to that kind of inspired me uh, to to play more Isaac. And uh, when I got my Switch for Christmas, like that was one of the first games I put on it. Oh, it's the only game you need on the Switch. It's I mean, it's and I, I've been thinking a lot lately because I've been. Like I, this is a new save file. Like I had one on PS4 that I was pretty deep into, but I start from scratch, like unlocking all of this stuff and seeing all these endings. And I'm like, is there like a weird Dark Souls storytelling device happening here? And I've just never put those pieces together. But then I thought, man, if you say the words like Binding of Isaac is the Dark Souls of blah 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 blah, like the internet will hate you forever. Like you can't yeah, you can't oh, put yeah. that out there. So no, I think I think there are certain things that definitely would lend one to like <laughs> the other if they like Dark Souls, but I. The similarities pretty much stop there, especially just from a basic gameplay perspective. It it would be hard to equate the two too much. If they um if they could if they could just fix the chalice dungeons, <laughs> like you could make you could literally have the Binding of Isaac and Bloodborne, right? Like if they just... no, I, I will I will be honest with you. I'm really like the thing that has most piqued my interest about going back into Bloodborne is doing the chalices. Yeah, they're a lot of fun, man. I only did like sixty percent of it, and I don't get I don't get the criticism. Like I, I see everyone's point, but there are points that don't matter to me. I think it's a blast. I like kind of grinding for materials to progress further, and that's like some of my favorite games have that grind. And I know that they're not always the most <laughs> wanted quality in a game, but like when Destiny came out, I really enjoyed Destiny for all the reasons that people hated it, which is I'm just playing the same mission so I can finally get this one piece of gear that means I'm a point two instead of a point three. And I'm like, yeah, but man, didn't it feel good to get to point three? <laughs> and for for me, like I think that that's what the Chalice Dungeons really are, are trying to accomplish is that sense of slow progression, that 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 slow burn of <laughs> you know grinding in an area that at least is procedurally generated for the most part that helps kind of give you some difference. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it and I, I really want to go back and, and go through all of them because I still haven't done that either. It's, um, I'll warn you that the, the story chalices, like the, the fixed chalices, quote unquote, uh, the, the boss difficulty ramps up in a way that people find extremely unfun. So, oh, yeah. no. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I see a fog door and a chalice, just like with any other Souls game, and my first thought is not, oh, sweet, a boss. It's, okay, 
summon signs where you <laughs> yeah. um, or for Bloodborne, let me just go ahead and have my bell ready because I don't even want to know what's behind that door unless somebody's coming with me. And I'm the, I'm the worst co-op person. Like if it's a first boss fight and I don't know what I'm getting into and somebody is summoned in, I will do motions that basically I try to physically communicate that I am terrified um, and I expect you to start this off. And so I will sheepishly approach the door, hoping that they understand my, my, my fear. And then as I walk in, I will turn around and put my back to the boss trying to communicate. You go ahead and get this started and show me what to do. And I'm sure I've been cussed out plenty of times, but I, I like kind of watching how other people are doing it as opposed to going on YouTube. And then as soon as I kind of get a sense of the mechanics, I'll jump in there and, and give it my all probably die and restart. You know, that's, um, I mean, I, I, I do something similar, except I do the reverse. Like if I'm having a difficulty with an area, I'll drop my summon sign down and, uh, get summoned to somebody else's world. And like, we'll both explore it together. And that way I like, I don't run the risk of losing all of my shit because I'm in their world. Like if I die, it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but it gives me an I idea that. of the lay of the land. I did that for a while, especially like in dark souls three, if I was coming up to a boss area and I wasn't sure what, what to expect, my initial thought would be, well, let me just be a phantom and then I can fight this boss with no, you know, risk. And my, my biggest fear was like, I am so screwing over this person that summoned me. And so I stopped doing it that way and decided I'd just screw over whoever came into my world. <laughs> it's so a lose, lose situation. <laughs> but I mean, like for me, I know there's a lot of people that if they want to understand the patterns, they'll play it in single player over and over. But I, I just love the the cooperative aspect of those games. I think it leads to some just really funny moments. And that is, to me, the most fascinating aspect of the game is that sense of communication, that nonverbal communication between players that have no idea who each other are. They don't really know what their build is. They're just being put together for about 30 seconds. What's going to happen? And that is really the coolest thing about those games to me. How do you uh, how do you feel thinking about that? That Sekiro is coming out next week. Like we're extremely uh, close. No, we're less than a week away, and, it's, uh, and I'm on sp- and I'm on spring break. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no. I don't uh, even have to take the day off. There's no multiplayer in this one. Like it's going to be Ooh, single player only. I didn't know that. See, I, I've tried to shield myself completely. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. to, to okay, then I'll be quiet. You know what? <laughs> no, I, I've already hung up. It's, it's oh, end of podcast. For my <laughs> end name. of podcast. I, my name is Jeremy Greer. I've been your host. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I think that's cool. Like I, the few clips that I've allowed myself to see have me excited about a different direction. That being said. As I mentioned earlier, I'd be all about if they just said, well, here's Dark Souls, Dark Souls 4. Um, I like the other From games that I've played. Uh, there apparently is one on the PSVR that I did not know existed that I at some point need to try out. That sounds exciting. Oh, you got to try Darrison A. If you have a PSVR, it's like a must play. Um, I'm yeah. shamefully, I have not finished it yet. I got about halfway through and then. Um, weird technical stuff preventing me from playing it. And then I've just been lazy since then. But um, I very much like there's some Darrison, a scholars in my podcast discord. I'm like, I want to get them all in a podcast and do a spoiler. Yeah. That's where I learned about it because there was one of the, 
the threads. I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> and of course, I was like, what's Daracene? I have no idea. Um, and then when I got in there and I saw some people talking about, I want to know everyone's interpretation about this story element. I was like, okay, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's this. And then as soon as I saw it was a Miyazaki PS VR game. <laughs> I think I posted in there. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. This is a From game on PSVR? And they said yes. And I was like, sold. But naturally, I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. I haven't tried it. It's good. It's, um, it's, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't try to sell somebody a PSVR with it. Uh, but if it's something that you have and you're a fan of these games, like, you'll get a lot of enjoyment. Um, it's just such, such a different experience being able to communicate with the NPCs and everything and like being right up in their grill and like seeing that kind of weird from design and energy, but like seeing it right there in your face as opposed to, you know, over the shoulder of your, of your guy on the screen with your, with your dark souls. So oh, that's exciting. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm sure I will check it out at some point when, when time permits, unfortunately this spring for me, like January through May, is so bananas with my schedule. I actually have I have three jobs and two kids. <laughs> and, oh, geez. And I try, You're not and supposed I try to have actually. more jobs than kids, man. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be the opposite. Well, Less jobs, more kids. <laughs> one of them's super fun, though. I, I teach tennis uh, to juniors. Oh, I thought you meant one of the kids. And I'm like, one of them is okay. Oh, no, I, I, one, one, of them, one of them plays tennis in, in one of my groups. My son is a ridiculously talented tennis player. Um, but you got to have three jobs when your daughter's in dance because man that's expensive oh yeah um, but we're out of town almost every weekend um this time of year usually for a dance competition so it until things settle down i doubt i'll be able to i, I really doubt i'll even be able to get a chance to really play through uh Sekiro, which is a shame but my uh my wife rides horses and uh she often makes a joke that it'd be a cheaper hobby would be just buying used cars and driving them off cliffs because <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> For all of the time and energy and money that it t- it takes to to support those kind of hobbies, um, well, you mentioned like not minding if From Software came out with Dark Souls Four. Uh, what is your like? What would be your your request though? Like, if you could dictate them to make the next game, like, would it be just Sekiro or like anything that they wanted to do, or do you have something very specific in mind, whether it's in terms of mechanics or story or what have you? I mean, I, I would obviously like to see them expand upon some of the ideas that work really well, but I wouldn't want to see too many of the mechanics of a Dark Souls game changed if they were going to call it Dark Souls. I still want to see summons. I want to see co-op play. I want to see covenants for multiplayer. I think the one area where they, they really did this in Dark Souls 3, but there's more room for development, is in weapon build variety. And can you imagine Dark Souls 3 with power stancing? I mean, seriously, they... If they if they put all of the the things that have worked so well with combat all in one Dark Souls game, that would be so amazing. Just make it as complicated as possible, <laughs> because the dedicated fans are going to put hundreds of hours into it anyway. And so you've got people that really have have hit the limit of what they can and can't do with the games that exist. Imagine if it had another hundred hours of complexity in it, and it it could be developed into any number of possibilities of combinations. Like that, that to me would be really exciting. Instead of 500 weapons, hell, come up with a thousand, even if it just the stats are changed a little bit or the swings are changed. Better, uh, better implement a dual wielding system and then give, you know, give even more stat effects that could happen either through an item buff or a ring. Just 
you know, basically make a Mario paint and say, here you go. <laughs> what, can, what can you create? That we need a we need Dark Souls Maker like we have Mario Maker. Just do that. Oh my do that from software. <laughs> Which again is very close to the Chalice so Dungeons. Fun. Like that's almost what we got. So that would be way too much fun. Well, Chris, thank you very much for uh, joining the podcast and sharing your story with me. I very very much appreciate it. This has been a, a yeah. lot of fun. Absolutely. Where can people find you on the internet? Should they choose to do so? So I don't really have too many internet or much of a social media presence. Uh, if you want, my gamer tag on Xbox is European Polecat, okay. uh, spelled out as it should be with no space. And you can find me on PlayStation Network. I think it's Euro, E U R, and then a zero Polecat. Um, feel free to send me a friend request. I love playing games when I'm able. It, I don't don't friend me if you think that I'm going to help you 12 hours a day because <laughs> that's not happening. Um, sure. And then email is my favorite method of correspondence. Like I said, I work at a school and it's an easy email address. Simon at Hendrix.edu. Hey, and if you're 16 or 17 and thinking about college, let me tell you about a great <laughs> little place in Conway, Arkansas. Oh man, that's I don't know that number one anybody's ever given their email address out <laughs> on the show, or number two tried to recruit people for for a school. You know, I'm all about first. <laughs> well, thank you again for guesting. This has been a blast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for doing the show. It's a I, I have a 40 minute commute uh, both ways every day, so this has always been a pleasure when new episodes come out to to listen and fill up that blank space. Thank you, man. As always, I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That's the place to find links to all of the previous episodes. It has a link to the Patreon if you choose to support the show directly. If you do choose to do that, uh, you will get an exclusive podcast. Um, Since Sekiro is coming out, I'm going back and I'm re-interviewing all of my old guests and uh, going to see how their perspectives on the Souls games have changed in the intervening, intervening years. Uh, just see all those details at patreon.com slash don't give up skeleton. You can also buy merch and you can like old episodes or share them with your friends. All of that good stuff. Don't give up skeleton.com next week. We'll have another great guest, but until then, remember folks, don't give up skeleton. We're good. Oh, cool. Thank you, man. This was awesome. Yeah, not a problem. Sorry if it was kind of on the fly, but that was good. Yeah, that was perfect.